Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 44 for the week of March 16th, 2018. What's up, Adam? We've seen a lot of jungle movies lately. I just got to point that out. Yes. We have spent a lot of time in the jungles. Tonight we have Tomb Raider, followed by Jungle, a movie starring Daniel Radcliffe that is now on Amazon Prime. Yes. And we get the urban jungle, but there's a nuclear apocalypse in that urban jungle, and we're going to talk about 1984's Threads. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about Threads. It's such a bleak movie experience that I I just want to share it with everybody. Like, I want you to feel as bad as I felt watching this movie. And spread that badness around. Yeah, you spread it to me. And I think, did. Think, I did. Thanks a lot for that, by the way. You're welcome. <laughs> you needed to experience Threads. Everyone should see Threads. Oh, man. It is a downer of a movie. But we'll get to that. In the meantime, what is the Film Coterie podcast for those who just wandered into this episode? You've skipped the first 43 episodes. You're going to jump in with episode 44. Uh, we're just two guys. Sometimes there's more of us. There's two of us mainly. Roger and myself, and we talk about the movies we see. Generally new movies, sometimes we mix in some older titles or titles that are new on the streaming services or video on demand, and we just give you our thoughts on these films. That's yeah. the Film Coterie. That's the Film Coterie. How's your week been? Anything exciting been happening? Uh, yeah, I've been getting ready for some festivals. I'm getting ready for the Overlook Film Festival, which will be in New Orleans this year, next month in April. That they should are- be fun. They are going to announce their film slate very soon, and I'm a fingers crossed for a few titles like Hereditary and some others. So I can't wait to see the list of films that are playing it. Well, last year's experience would be hard to top as far as location, but New Orleans yeah. is pretty good. Pretty good follow up. We're staying at the Bourbon Orleans, and that hotel's famous for having twin girl ghosts that inspired the ghosts from The Shining. The come play with us, Danny. Yes. Forever and ever and ever. Those ghosts. Oh, man. New Orleans. Uh, uh, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I hope I see them. That's me. I hope I'm coming up late at night to my room and they're just standing in the hallway. What would you do if you saw the twins, the girls, standing in the hallway? Get out my phone and put it on Facebook Live. <laughs> Of course you would. That's exactly. what I would do, yeah. Yeah, all right. What, what kind of, are you going to get any running commentary? You're just going to silently record them? Depends how scared I am, but I will, <laughs> I'll start recording. We'll see how it goes. If they, you know, change into bigger demons or scary faces, I might just be me running down the hallway in the other direction. That's a good start to a movie, though. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I've had a good week. Uh, we're in our brand new digs here, doing our second episode in uh, in our studio that we've built, our podcast studio. And uh, uh, I'm I've been going to engineering class for the last couple weeks. So you're getting your online degree. Well, I wish I could get some degree from it. All I'm doing is spending a lot of hours learning, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. And so we're hoping to continue to improve the product and uh, uh, provide the best podcast that we can. So, but we've got movies to talk about. Jungle movies. I'm excited. Let's take a quick break, come back, and we'll uh, jump right into our feature for tonight, Tomb Raider. I thought I saw time again. 
think I'm going mad. Lara, your father's gone. At some point, we have to face up to who we are. Who we're meant to be. I think I know where my dad went. That's right in the middle of the Devil's Sea. It'll be an adventure. Death is not an adventure. What are you doing here, Laura? Seven years I've been on this island. Your father, he put me here. Now I see the likeness, intelligence, the recklessness. What do you know about my father? Alright, our first movie this evening is the newest edition of Tomb Raider. This one starring Alicia Vikander. If you know the name, she was the robot in Ex Machina. Yeah. She was also in The Danish Girl and Jason Bourne and a bunch of other movies. We just looked real quick on IMDb. I, I mainly know her from Ex Machina. And she's taken over the role of Laura Croft. This is a reboot to the series. It has no continuity with the Angelina Jolie movies. And it is based on the newer versions of the Tomb Raider games with the younger protagonist. So I think it's good to say right off the start, this is a video game movie. inspired movie. Yes. Okay, so tell us a little more, Adam. Uh, a lot of things have changed <clears throat> since Tomb Raider first came out. Did you did you play the original games on PlayStation? No. You knew the character. Everyone oh, yeah. knows Laura Yeah, Croft. absolutely. <laughs> the original character looks like she was drawn by a 14-year-old boy in his bedroom. You know, she, polygons. She, <laughs> she may have been, you know, and, and you were just running around in a cave and shooting bears. There were no human enemies in the first couple games. It was wolves and bears. Later on, the franchise became more like the Uncharted games. The most current versions are much like the Uncharted games, where there's more adventure and set pieces where you're jumping from things as they collapse. So that's the movie. It's a reimagining of it. And we're going to give you our thoughts on this film. It, it starts out pretty strong. I think we all agreed about that tonight. Uh, you know, I've seen <clears throat> some of the other Tomb Raider movies, uh, just for a summer fair, you know, going to the movies to see him and, and check him out. Brainless popcorn munching fair. Yeah, but I, I got to say, um, this Laura Craft, uh, Alicia, she is a step in the right direction. She's a step up, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> I think she was very solid as as, as Laura Croft, and uh, um, I liked her performance a lot. She was the star of this show by far. She's in every scene, too. There's I can't really think of too many scenes that don't feature her. So the movie follows her pretty closely. Closest to a sidekick she's got is Daniel Wu. He plays the ship captain that goes with her to the the island that holds the tomb they're looking for. And the villain is played by Walton Goggins. You may know him from Justified or more recently Vice Principals on HBO. And he's just a vanilla villain. I mean, it's a waste of Walton Goggins. If you know Walton, he can really do some interesting character work. Yes, absolutely. He's He's given nothing to do in here except to be a task manager. He's got yeah. to just keep the project on schedule. He's not very menacing. You know, I walked out of the theater and I said, outside of, and we'll get into this, the ending of the movie, the last third or last quarter of the movie, and the villain, I thought the villain was the weakest part of the movie. And I thought it was, initially I thought, well, just maybe he's not a good actor, or, you know, but then I just realized there's no material here. I mean... The setup for the villain is, I mean, just give us a little bit of something, you know, just a little bit of something. He's to, to literally just an employee of this big evil company, and he just has to keep the dig on task. Yeah. But he's a, 
I guess what they were going for, and you can't really spoil Tomb Raider. I mean, if you've seen any of the other ones, if you've seen Indiana Jones, if you've seen, uh, you know, any of these games, it's all the same story. Okay, folks. But anyway, um, I guess they tried to make him like kind of half crazy because he's been stuck on this island for seven years. But he's not. He says he's crazy. Right. But it's just dialogue. He's He's not crazy. He's just really mean. He's an evil middle manager. Yeah. <laughs> that wields a pistol. <laughs> that wields one pistol instead of the automatic weapons yeah. of all his henchmen. And he, and he was stuck on this island for seven years, even though we came to discover that a simple helicopter trip could have got him off the island at any point in time. The island is super easy to get to. Yeah. yeah. But they keep verbalizing <laughs> that it's so hard to get to and right. impossible to get to. and Yeah. Yeah. So, so there are a lot of these kind of tropes Adam and I are talking about that are really... Just very funny, very bad. I, I, there's a lot that I liked about this movie. I, I, I'm saying the first hour I was into this movie, I was like, "Wow, surprise hit! They've done, they've put together a good movie." And then they get to their destination, and they get, of course, as it's called, folks, Tomb Raider. So you know they're going to go into a secret crypt tomb at the end, and and you and I both agree, and even even Blu-ray Bob, who was with us tonight, said. That's where the movie just fell all apart, <laughs> literally. <laughs> it's a bad tomb. It's not any fun. It's not entertaining. I, there were much better tombs in the video games, and I think even like the more recent Brendan Fraser mummy movie, the third one that took place in Asia, had yes. a more entertaining tomb than what's featured in Tomb Raider. I mean, that's the highlight of the movie. That's what you're waiting for. Well, well just to give you an example, you know, in Indiana Jones, you get these really, they feel old and dirty and the walls are like three feet thick and huge stones, you know, that made these. And and they're talking about how they can't blast through this door. And Laura Kraft, she figures out the puzzle, and the door just crumbles, and it's like four inches thick. Yeah, you really can't think about this film. It's just going to make you mad on some things. But it's designed to be popcorn entertainment. Yes, absolutely. There are some other funny things, like the the dreadful-sounding chasm of souls <laughs> is nothing. It doesn't do anything. I mean, I'd be yep. like me, you know, by my office. I could say that's the alleyway of annihilation. And, you know, there's nothing in there. It's just a normal alleyway. Yeah. It's like the chasm of souls. I, I know. You know, there was no there was no glowing green river of death or no anything. Trap. No trap of any kind. <laughs> just a scary name. I, I do the I do have to say that I really enjoyed that the red shirt didn't die. Yes. That was the one good that was one good chuckle I had in the tomb scene. So there's this there's a part of the tomb, one of the traps, where it appears obvious the red shirt's about to get it, and he does it. So that that was kind of good, I thought. But yeah, the tomb is the weak part of the movie. The performances are all good. They're all yeah. There's good. nothing we're we're not saying Walton turned in a Walton Goggins turned in a bad performance. No, here. he did it was not. Just, it's a waste of his talent. Anybody could have played the role that they wrote for this character. So he didn't get to bring that little extra special something he brings to roles. But across the board, good acting, good visuals. Um, it looked good. There's some good action scenes in the beginning that, and, aren't, that aren't so CG heavy Yes, in the city. Well, they opened with a <clears throat> what I thought was a very unique chase scene on bicycles. And I loved that. I, I was really engaged. I thought, that's that's kind of cool. You know, that's really good. Well, and then there's a well-shot foot chase scene in, in, oh, in, absolutely. in Hong Kong. Yep. And then once we get to the island, the island is a whole lot of CG. I mean, it felt like a soundstage for most of the set pieces. 
Well, what I like about this this movie is that they kept the video, some of the video game essence to it. Two chase, two foot chase, two rate running scenes. You know, like you always have in in a, in a video game of this kind, where you have to run to something's chasing you, or you got to run and catch something. And then she had two obstacle courses she had to go through. You know, one on the boat. I, I felt like these were going to turn into quick time events from the game. I thought it was going to pop up on the screen, press A to climb. Oh, keep no, that would have been funny. <laughs> that's what it felt like. There's some set pieces very right. much designed like what you'd see in a video game. Yeah, and and that doesn't bother me. I, I think that's intentional to to play homage to that this is a video game, you know? And they don't go overboard. Like, it was really bad to me in the Doom movie, if you've seen that with The Rock. Uh, no. Near the end of the movie, he picks up a gun, the hero, which is played by Carl Urban, and it goes into first-person mode. And it looks just like the game. The doors open. They make the sound effect. He's shooting the zombies. And it is a whole first-person sequence for the climax of the movie. And that wasn't gloriously awesome? No. No. <laughs> that was way too much of an homage. Yeah. And it just really crossed the line. There's nothing like that in Tomb Raider. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's some, you know, a lot of good in this movie. It, it, it surprised me. I think it surprised all three of us that it was a little bit better than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's top-tier video game movie. I can't think of too many that are better than this. It's certainly better than it's advertising. Yeah. I can't say I was bored during it. No, absolutely not. So um, I think the performances were all good. Um, Like you said, it was at times very beautiful, very well shot, you know. Um, But there's there's just like a handful of absolutely ridiculous, like they had no person with common sense in the in the story room. When they were writing these, yes, you know, there are a few moments you'll just scratch your head and say, "Now wait a minute, why didn't the, why didn't this person just do this one easy thing?" Yeah, and it would have been funny and comic effect and that yeah. kind of stuff, you know. And it just it just never materializes, kind of deal. So yeah, and again, the main disappointment is that the tomb kind of stinks. It'd be like a Rocky movie or a Creed movie where the fight is just a pushover. You know, that's what you're waiting for, and it just doesn't deliver. If this were a gymnastic routine, they leap off the balance board, and they land on the rear end. Yeah. Definitely did not stick the landing. <clears throat> yeah, that's for sure. And there was one homage to gummy bears, too. Yeah, Blu-ray Bob's gummy bears comments. <laughs> You'll see a puzzle. Some brightly colored, strange shapes. Yeah, absolutely. So, overall, I think, you know, okay, you know, I mean, if it's... I don't know if I would necessarily go to the theater and pay for this. I mean, maybe if you have movie pass and you're looking for something to do, or if it comes, you know, if it's at if it's one of those five day matinees or Tuesday specials, and you want to take the family or something, kids will enjoy this. Teenagers will enjoy it. You know, it's it's a fun ride, that kind of thing. You know, so. And there's bigger movies coming out soon. We have. You know, next week, Pacific Rim, and then Ready Player One the week after that. Yeah, so if which I'm excited for both those weeks myself. Yeah, and this is better than Wrinkle in Time. That was the big-budget movie we saw last week. Yeah. I, I would see this over that. Oh, in a heartbeat, yes. So it's a near-miss. You know, if it ends up in the 40s or 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, that makes sense to me. I think it's going to yeah. be a hit or miss for most people. Okay. Well, that's our thoughts on um, Tomb Raider. And so if you get a chance, check it out. Uh, if you have had a chance to see it, then, uh, yeah, shout out us on Facebook. You know, give us a holler. Tell us your thoughts. We'd like to engage with you about your thoughts on the movie. Maybe you loved the gummy bear puzzle. That's right. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will join 
Daniel Radcliffe, Lost in the Jungle, and I'm interested to get your thoughts about this movie. Um, You're listening to The Film Coterie. We'll be right back. I was desperate to escape the well-worn path. Work, marriage, kids, not me. I wanted to experience the extraordinary, which is why I ended up in the jungle. This is my friend, Josip Ginsburg. Good to meet you. Good to meet you, too. I told my parents I'd be back in a year, but I don't think I'm ever going back. There's nothing like the jungle at night. Insects, birds, it's like they're screaming at you. And then suddenly, it's just you. Whatever you came looking for. If you want to be like every other tourist, anybody can go to Machu Picchu. But the jungle, this guy can take us there. How do you know that Carl is telling the truth? That's why you're here, the hidden world. Perfectly balanced. The problem is us with the cancer. Carl, what are you doing? The only guy who knows where we are and what we're going to do, and he just walked away. Carl! Stop! And we're back, and we're going to talk about the 2017 release of Jungle, starring Daniel Radcliffe. And this is based on a true story about some young guys that are out adventuring in South America, just kind of exploring life, maybe looking for some gold or just some adventure. And They're trying to find a lost tribe. Yeah, and they meet across this guy who promises them he knows where the lost tribe is. Fortune and glory. And where the and there's more gold they could ever carry away, and so uh, they decide to follow him, the three of them, into the jungle, and uh, let's just say all hell breaks loose, and um, they all get separated, and uh, the, the a good part of this movie is Daniel Radcliffe alone, all by himself, trying to survive in the heart of the South American jungle, so. Adam, now I picked out this movie <clears throat> just because I knew we were. <laughs> this gonna... is what makes me curious. You're going to see behind the scenes of the film code. Yes, this is how we work. <laughs> this is this is how the sausage is made. So I knew we were seeing Tomb Raider, and I thought, well, well I thought, well, a Tomb Raider. I knew we were seeing Tomb Raider, and I thought, well, um, you know, Tomb Raider's probably in a jungle area, probably some adventure or something. I thought, and then I'm I'm I'm, I'm cruising around, and I think it was on Amazon Prime or Netflix, one of the two. It's on Amazon. Yeah, Amazon Prime. I saw this thing that's the Jungle 2017, Daniel Radcliffe. And I and I kind of like Daniel Radcliffe as an actor. I've seen him. I mean, I love the Harry Potter films. And then uh, I've seen him in some other things. I loved him in Horns and, you know, I mean, just some different movies. So, so anyway, I thought, oh, a new movie I missed. I'm going to check it out, right? So and I asked, I conned Adam into it. I said, why don't you watch Jungle 2 and we'll talk about it on the podcast. I get a text at one in the morning from Roger. <laughs> 
that says, let's watch that movie with Elijah Wood, Lost in the Jungle. <laughs> I'm in bed, and I I take the phone away, and I'm thinking, like, what movie with Elijah Wood where he's lost in the jungle? I'm drawing a blank here. And then two minutes later, Rogers says, Daniel Radcliffe. I met Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> so you just interchanged Frodo for <clears throat> Harry Potter. Because all those fantasy characters, they all look the same. Yeah, so the movie's Jungle. Yes. And the funny thing to me is Daniel Radcliffe's playing an Israeli uh, guy that's just going around the world. He's kind of lost. Right. He's looking for his purpose. Yeah. And his opening narration is terrible. Roger missed it the first time. I played it for him again this evening. This is like okay. community theater okay. Okay. level bad I have, I have Israeli to, accent. I have to defend myself. The reason I missed it was it's so bad, I thought there was another actor actually doing the narration than Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, I stopped it in my living room and I went back and I played it from the top because I had to hear it again. It's This narration is so over the top with the Israeli ethnic accent. He's fine in the movie. I'm not knocking him during the movie. No, in the movie, he gets it. It's a, it's a good accent. It's fine. And his performance is pretty decent in the movie, all things said. Yes. You know? Um, but there's not a whole lot of real... I mean, the movie's just okay, you know? This is exactly what you think it is. It's a guy yeah. lost in the jungle. He's going to go through some bad times. You're going to get cut, scraped. He may have to remove a worm from his forehead. How'd you do during that scene? Oh, I was curled up in the chair going, oh, oh, ouch. Yeah, a, a bug bite turns into a parasite that's in his forehead. Oh, yes. And I think he has to get it out with tweezers. Yep. And then he literally starts to almost go crazy. Now, I, I don't know. I've heard rumors on the internet that he that he went, did the dramatic weight loss for this movie, but it kind of almost looked a little CGI'd to me. Did it not look a little CGI'd to you, or do you think yeah. that was... Yeah. I, I don't know if he actually... You know, because I saw I just was surfing the internet real quick, and I saw a thing that said uh, the obstacles are the links that Daniel Radcliffe went to lose weight in the jungle, and I just didn't even take time to read the article, so I don't know. He may have lost all that weight, but when he gets to the end of just about going crazy and dying, he is like under a hundred pounds. I mean, he's tiny, tiny, thin, and looks very gaunt and about as bad as you could be being in the jungle. You know, this movie suffers a little bit from some of the editing. There's scenes, there's more than one scene where they're going down a river. And if you notice this, he gets thrown overboard. There's probably clearly a stunt double that's doing some rapids work, you know, in the water, bobbing up right. and down. But then they cross cut to this Danny Radcliffe underwater, and it just looks like he's in a pool. He's flailing around, but the water around him is kind of still. So it's kind of cut back and forth between Danny Radcliffe flailing in a still pool versus yeah. the stunt double <laughs> racing down the rapids. They probably should have just stuck with the stunt double footage. It, it took me out of the scene. Yeah, yeah. And I thought there was some other continuity issues, even when all four were together and they were traveling, where they would cut to one and cut back, and it seemed like they maybe jumped back in time a little bit with them. It was. It just seemed the editing seemed a little sloppy to yeah. me, I think. But um, what else with this? What else with Jungle? Normally, you're the one who's recommending that we watch an, a movie <laughs> i was jumping i'm like well rogers recommended this one it came out of nowhere i'll watch it so <laughs> this is a movie it kind of feels like people are just getting a paycheck on like i don't think anyone would have written this movie or made this movie because it was their dream right this isn't a dream project this is just let's go make a movie and, and maybe try to sell it just because it's such standard fare nothing about this really stands out there's nothing bad about it it's just a run-of-the-mill movie for this genre of jungle survival, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I agree. But you know, it was it, it, I, I. You know, it, I was engaged. Yeah, you know, I was engaged with with Daniel Radcliffe's character, and um, um, it stayed. The relationships were honest. I thought that part was good. So there was some positive stuff in the yeah, film. Yeah, and as characters well. are making smart decisions. No one's doing something super stupid, like in the newest Kong Skull Island, where you're just really frustrated with the choice oh, of the yeah. characters and what they're yes. making on the island. Everyone's trying to survive. Everyone's making smart decisions. Yeah. The runtime's appropriate for the story. It doesn't drag out. Yep, I agree. So so it's it's free. It's on you said Netflix. Yeah. So if you get a chance check, Amazon. Or Amazon, yeah. It's on Amazon. If you get a chance, uh check it out. So that's gonna that's gonna I think that's gonna wrap it up for jungle. <laughs> There's not much to say about jungle, but you know what? Enjoy the opening narration. I think you're gonna chuckle when you hear how over the top it is for an Israeli accent. Yeah. But you don't have to suffer through that for the whole movie. He's normal once the movie starts. Yeah, absolutely. All right, the moment of truth is here. Threads. When when we come back, Adam has questions for me about this movie Threads. You probably never heard of it. It's one of those obscure titles I'm going to let Adam explain to you. So you're going to want to stick around and listen to our third segment here as we look at this docudrama called Threads. <laughs> And we're back for the last movie of the evening, which will be Threads. Like threads of clothing, but this means threads of society. Or the threads of a spider's web. This is a 1984 made-for-TV production by the BBC to, I don't know, educate, warn, whatever, their population about what would happen in a nuclear apocalypse. Now... You have to understand, he said, 1984, five years before the Berlin, Berlin Wall came down, yep. when it was the very height of communism, America versus Russia, or the Soviet Union, I should say. There was the East and West Germany. There was still conflict in the Middle East going on. Uh, the world was in a very precarious place at that point in time. The movie takes a very realistic approach to the material in that in the background you see a conflict escalating between the U.S. and Russia over Iran. And, you know, and something may happen. Now, Roger, before I gave you this movie, I must have warned you five or six times about how bleak and just depressing and soul-crushing this movie is. Yeah, and you still assigned it to me. I did. I needed someone else to see it. I can't be the only one to go through it. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad I watched it. Um, you know, my son Zach asked me, did you like the movie? I'm like, this is not a movie you like. It was the, What was the movie good? There was nothing good in this movie, you know? Um, 
And it is the bleakest movie I have ever seen, hands down. And uh, while we were recording this episode, there's a, a filmmaker named Mike Lombardo who made I'm Dreaming of a White Doomsday, which was at Nightmares last year. And that is a bleak movie about Christmas. He uh, responded to my post on Facebook about you watching this movie as Threads is wonderfully bleak. So there's a good description of Threads. And, you know, nice word in there, wonderfully bleak. There's no hope in this movie. This is what would happen based on some experts at the time in a nuclear winter. Yeah. And I got to say, I think it was worse on me knowing that this movie was going to depict a complete all-out nuclear holocaust. Because it is a slow, engaging, depressing, oppressing move toward this event. I mean, every time they would flash a new date, there's kind of a cut. Explain how they make make the movie, Adam. This feels a little bit like an educational film because the footage is intermixed with these interstitials that have factoids in them. Yeah. Like, it'll pop up and say, at this point, clean water is scarce. Most of it's radiated. The food is running out. 130,000 right. are dead. Yeah. And leading up to the, the, the nuclear holocaust, they would punch a date, you know, like March 11th, March 13th, March 17th. And I'm waiting every time I'm thinking, is this the day it happens? I mean, I'm literally on the edge of my seat going, okay, is this the day it's going to happen? And the only real characters are a couple that are expecting their first child and they're going to get married. Right. And that's the only, they got some extended family, but there's no real main characters to this film. And the flow of it, it's the days leading up to the, the, the strike. That's act one. And then it's the minutes, the hours, the days, the weeks, the months, and eventually the years after this. This goes all the way out to like 13 years past the nuclear explosion. <clears throat> yeah. And I think what was so disheartening about this movie to me was you saw how, as best as they could how well prepared Great Britain was for this catastrophe. They took all the measures they knew how to do and none of them were good enough. Not one of them. The movie is set in Sheffield, a town of about 500,000, and it's 17 miles from a Royal Air Force base. And that's where the nuke hits. And you're seeing the effect that far away is what happened to the small village. And, yeah, it's rough. I mean, once that bomb goes off, you, it's... You're seeing how the fight for survival, it's surviving the radiation poisoning. Yeah, the, you know, the, the British government had set up... Um, in case central command or the government fell, how all the little local cities, towns, provinces would have like a, a commander in chief that was the mayor or representative. I forget the name they gave him. And then they had certain people in that town that would be over electric and food and water and all that. I mean, they are prepared. They knew it was coming there. They go to the basement. They survive the initial blast and then they go through a slow arduous loss of all hope and then they're dead and that's just soul crushing it's so crushing to watch these people and then you have the ones that you know were told well get blankets and pile them up and get mattresses and get underneath mattresses and blankets and that will help protect you and we all know now living in 2018 well we knew this Back in the 80s and 90s, really, no blanket or mattress is going to protect you from nuclear fallout. 
Yeah. And you see the effect of radiation burns on someone. The famous image from this is a cop. Yeah. His face is all bandaged up because of radiation burns, and he's keeping people away from the food supplies. They're guarding it, and they don't know when they're going to hand it out. And then later on, you see rations being given to the workers, the people that can actually put in a day of labor. Yeah. And this is the worst case scenario. This movie's imagining both all the nuclear power is shooting at everyone. You know, they all go off and the world's just kind of over. This isn't this isn't the fun of Mad Max or Fallout. Right. No. Uh, and it goes through the, the, the geological and weather and meteorological challenges after this kind of a holocaust. And it portrays them pretty realistic, you know. The, the the whole year of darkness and the temperature dropping and yep. bleakness and then the sun coming out and it, there's no UV protection because the atmosphere has been so so compromised. I mean, I, it's just like it's like they took a bunch of scientists and sat them in a room and said, I want you to paint out the worst scenario that scientifically you can think of. And then they put it all on film. There's no levity in this film. You're going to be watching people eat rats and sell rats to each other and then struggle to farm as a new medieval society kind of forms together in the survivors. Yeah. You know, and so Threads is a movie that for the rest of my life, until I see something worse than this. Not worse, bleaker. Bleaker, yes. Worse is, yeah, I agree with you, bleaker. Until I see something else like this, when somebody says, What's a movie that just really stuck with you? I can say, well, one of them for certainly was Threads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I think I, I think I just turned it off when I first saw it and kind of stared at the floor for a while. You don't know what to do with yourself after this movie. <laughs> the reason I, I watched it, is, one, I've heard about this movie for years. It's actually coming to town to the Gateway Film Center. They have a 2K restoration. They're going to be showing this yeah. upcoming weekend. And that's why we decided to talk about it. And I had ordered the Blu-ray ahead of time because uh, Severn Films is releasing it. And this was really the only way to get it. It's not on iTunes. I haven't looked on any of the other VODs. Yeah. I don't know where else you can see this outside of ordering the Blu-ray <clears throat> or going to a theater like Gateway that may be showing it. Yeah. Because it's not a real film. I mean, it's made for TV. It's a little harder to get. It is a film, but no, yeah, it's strange. Yeah. I, you know, I, I watched it and I've partook of it, and so it is what it is. Um, it's bleak, it's impactful. Um, I guess my number one question is, why would you really ever even make this film? Why was this film even made? I, you know, at the time they were passing out, from what I understand, pamphlets about survival, and whether this was to educate people on what to do. But the movie is just so bleak; it's it's a it doesn't really encourage survival. I mean, you watch this movie and you're like, well, what the hell does it matter what I do? You know, let's yeah. just live my life. And hopefully, hopefully, if you're lucky, you're near where one of the bombs go off. So it's over instantly. That was my first thought is I hope I'm just vaporized. You know what? If I know where the bomb's falling, maybe I'm driving in that direction. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I'm going to get right on the X where it's coming. Because... And await my new son. <laughs> because, yeah, let's, it's time to cross over to what's behind the veil. <laughs> yes. Welcome the missile down with my arms open. Uh, Don't let me survive this. Because the future <laughs> is not good, buddy. Let me tell you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Whew. Anyway, so that is Threads. If you've seen Threads before, I know a couple of you have. 
jump in the conversation. Let us know what you think about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Were you sick like me and just had to share this with someone? I think it's a natural instinct. You don't want to be the only one that has something bad. If you no, I have a couple of people in mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend this to. Yeah, I want I them know. to That's, watch it. Why do we do that? Like as humans, like, oh, this smells terrible. Smell this. <laughs> it's what we do. I don't know why, but I, yeah. I had to share it with you. Yeah. And I'm changed for watching it. Everyone is. It, <laughs> if you were going to argue about the most effective films, this has to be on your list because I watch a lot of horror. And you know what? Some of it scares me. I like that. This thing truly horrified me, and I can't say that that happens often. Right. This is true horror. Yeah. So Absolutely. it had that effect on me. So it's highly effective. And, and I'm just going to tell you, there is nothing off limits. No. I mean, we're talking... The worst scenarios: your favorite dogs, cats, babies, the whole nine yards. <laughs> yes, it's they don't they don't. It literally is the bleakest, the bleakest, just saddest movie you will ever see. Well, here's the thing: I wish I knew how this aired. Was this the Saturday night movie where they played the music and the family's all in the living room, like the kids are on the floor, the parents are on the couch? There's no way. Can you imagine this with commercials? Like you're watching this cat just die in the street, and then here comes a bounty commercial for yeah. the fresher picker up or whatever. Yeah, let's go to the Brillo Pad commercial. <laughs> yes. It's all cheerful music. <laughs> Lots of singing and dancing, and back to our Sunday night movie, Threads. I can't imagine this, this thing. This had with commercials. to play uninterrupted. Yeah, but I can't imagine a family sitting down to watch it either. I can't either. You just watch it by yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, Zach was in the room with me, and he's seventeen, and and he, you know, he can watch R-rated movies and the whole night. This was on TV, and, and I, I finally, about five minutes into it, I said, "Zach, you need to go up." <laughs> and he just saw the look in my eyes. He's like, "Okay," <laughs> just went upstairs. Oh man, so that's Threads. That is Threads. So if you get a chance, check it out. Let us know what you think. Well, let's take a break, and we'll come back with our last segment of the podcast, and that's our coming attractions, what's coming up next, and we'll talk about what we have to look forward to in the weeks to come. You're listening to The Film Coterie. We'll be right back. We are back, and this is our coming attractions segment. Adam, what do we have to look forward to in the next few weeks? And what, what what's some other stuff you might want to plug that's in the theaters now? March, as we've discussed, is loaded. Uh, next week we get Pacific Rim, the sequel. After that we get Ready Player One. And the first week is the movie I'm really excited about of April is going to be A Quiet Place from John Krasinski. You may recognize him as Jim from The Office. He made this quiet horror movie. And he's not a horror buff. He said he had to study up on it. He watched a ton of movies before he got to directing this thing. And I think he wrote it too. And he made a maybe all-timer. He had really good buzz out of South by Southwest. Nice. Absolutely. And then out of South by Southwest, they liked Ready Player One. The crowd yeah. was mixed going in. There were people that were, didn't like the book, didn't like the trailers, and they were pretty much won over by it from what I understand. Well, good. But that's the Spielberg magic. Well, yeah. I'm going to guess. I'm just going to go ahead and make a prediction right now because I've read the books, 
and I have an 80s nostalgia. Now, a lot of people thought it was way too overboard, like it was 80, every 80s you know, nostalgia you, you could think of. And, I, and it was a little bit. But I just loved the story. I loved the book and loved the story. But my guess is, with some of the backlash and the feelings about the book, and different, my guess is, is that they're going to take the annihilation approach, where he's going to take the, the, the bones of the story and give it the Spielberg touch, you know, and probably just make a really good adventure story, you know. The last, the first trailers have been horrible. I'm just going to say. It's a hard movie to sell. Yeah. But this last newest trailer that they just did about three, three or four weeks ago is the best trailer they've done yet, yeah. you know. And the screenplay was actually written by Ernest Klein, Ernie Klein. Yeah. And Zach Penn. They, yeah. They were the two that wrote it. Um, some other comedies coming out of South by Southwest that got some buzz were was the movie Blockers. Oh, yeah. That's about the parents trying to stop their kids from having sex after prom. John Cena apparently steals the show. He was very funny in a Amy Schumer's movie. Okay. So he's back. And then there's a movie I just showed you a trailer for called Flower about a teen getting a new older stepbrother who may have been molested. <laughs> they think they know the guy that did it, and they start stalking him. It's a very funny-looking comedy, dark comedy. Yeah. And that's coming to town soon called yeah. Flower. Awesome. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. If you have any other uh, movies. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh. I saw Thoroughbreds. Oh, yes. Tell us, give us a little synopsis real quick. It's two girls, two rich girls that are plotting to murder a stepfather. And it is dark. It is black humor. And I loved it. Um, I had a friend tell me I needed to see this after he saw it at Sundance last year. So I finally saw it, and I can't recommend it enough. You need to go check out Thoroughbreds. Okay, there you have it. You've been listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, Adam, how can they... How can the folks out there on the interwebs get a hold of us and uh, connect with us? The best place is always Facebook. We're on there. If you just go to facebook.com backslash film coterie, you'll see our page. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and Vero. Same handle on each of those platforms. We are at film coterie. Awesome. That's going to do it for this week's episode. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>